pray today. God, the message that we hear, God, it speaks truth into our hearts. God, that we're drawn closer to you today. God, that we have a stronger, more desperate, more dedicated desire to be your followers, to be Christians. God, we love you. We praise you in this place. And you get all the glory. In your son's precious, holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. God is good, right? Amen. Absolutely. I want you guys to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans 12. It's one of my favorite passages. But while you're doing that, I, I heard a story this week. It was about an Amish family. They were having to travel somewhere, and they've never, never seen a whole lot of technology, never stayed in a hotel. But they had to travel somewhere to see some, woo, bring me down. We'll just call that the power of God. All right? They've never been to a hotel, so they get in the hotel, and they go up to the front desk, and they're like, uh, what are we supposed to do? And the lady's like, well, we'll get you checked in, we'll get you a key, we'll get you a room number, you know how they are, just very nice. So they got them checked in, and uh, she said, now go over to the next room where the elevator is and wait for the next open elevator. They're like, okay, whatever an elevator is. So they go into the next room, and they're looking at this contraption, this big machine, it looks like a room. And the door closes and opens. After staring at it for a few minutes, this sweet old lady kind of hobbles in there with her cane, hobbles in the, in the elevator. It closes, and she has blonde hair. You, know, you, you can tell she's very beautiful but aged. About five minutes later, the doors open back up, and this beautiful young blonde lady in her 20s comes walking out. The husband grabs the son and says, dude, go get your mom. You guys didn't get that. Wake up. Come on. Those are the jokes, people. Those are the jokes. But this morning, we're going to be talking about transformation and how worship is transformative and the power that comes from worship. But before we discuss that, we should probably get a really good understanding and working definition of worship. So Let's go ahead and put that on the screen. Worship is the total and complete surrender of every facet of our being to the entity or object of our worship. It is uncontrollable love and devotion. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, that's a good one to write down. Let's go back and read that one one more time. The total and complete surrender of every facet of our being to the entity or object of our worship. It's uncontrollable love and devotion. Now, I want to read Romans 12, 1 and 2, and maybe, maybe we'll talk about some things maybe you've never thought about with this passage. This passage. We're going to unpack it. I'm going to explain exactly what it means and how it applies to you. So Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I don't know, how many of you guys have heard that verse before? All right. 
I love this passage, or these two verses, because they have so much to say. I'm just going to unpack this, starting with the very first word in verse 1. Therefore, you're like, dude, that's not a cool word, man. It's not like transfiguration or something like that. Therefore is a small word, but it has a huge meaning. It literally means whatever I just said before, I'm continuing. Okay, so you're like, that's still not that big of a deal. Well, Romans 1 through 11 are a big deal. In fact, I'm going to give you guys some homework. When you go home this week, when you do your quiet times, hopefully you do quiet times, when you do your quiet times with God, read Romans 1 through 11. Maybe just do a verse at a time. I don't know, they can get, they can get pretty deep. Uh, it's some good doctrinal meat right there. Um, what it's saying is from Romans 1 to 11, Paul is talking about some really deep doctrines. Now he's going to apply some practical truths to your life. Therefore, I urge you. I urge you is the Greek word kaleo, which is literally translated to call out, to call forth, to beckon. It is not a, hey dude, if you want to. No, this is a, you have got to. There is no option here. I am urging you. It is so imperative that you do this, that I believe the gospel is hinged on these two verses. A lot of the gospel is hinged on these two verses, okay? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Okay, so first, first before we understand God's mercy, we should probably have a healthy view of God, right? So a few years ago, there were two professors at Baylor University. And they did a study, actually wrote a book basically on um, how America views the person of God, God himself. And they went all over the United States, from rural to urban, from old to young, from different socioeconomic backgrounds and statuses, and they did all sorts of studying, and they came down to four basic views of God. Some of these views may not surprise you. Some of them may. View one, he is an authoritative God, which means he's extremely judgmental and he's extremely involved. So he's, this is probably the kind of the Bible Belt way to think about it. I, uh, he basically, he's, he's waiting for you to screw up so he can bust you upside the head with a God hammer. Okay? It's not called Mjolnir. Right, if you don't understand that, don't worry about it. Um, I grew up in a, a, a independent fundamental Baptist church. This is what we were taught. You don't look right. You don't smell right. You don't talk right. You don't walk right. God going to mess you up. That's not a very good view of God. Second view. He is a benevolent God. All right? So he is involved. He's, he's very involved in everyday life, but he's full of love and compassion. Man, I believe that's true. I believe he's absolutely full of compassion. But his compassion does not come without the judgmental side of him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to stand over you and bust you upside the head, but he's a righteous God. There's got to be, there's got to be both there. There's loving and there's also chastisement. You've got, you can't have one without the other. Number three, a critical God. They believe he is a critical God. So he is removed. He's like stepping back. 
in the universe looking down, and he's judgmental. He's like, man, those daggum humans, they just, oh, I want to I thump that guy on the back of the head, man. That's ridiculous, okay? So he's removed, but he's still judgmental. Right? A lot of people have this view. Like, God doesn't really care about what's going on in my life. I just know I better not screw this sucker up, okay? Number four, he is a distant God. Now, this view is a hard view. It's what I call the clockmaker view, where God literally wound up the universe just like a clock. If you guys don't have one of those old clocks that you actually wind up, you're missing a whole lot. Um, you, he wound it up, and he just let it go. He stepped back. He said, I don't, want, I don't want anything else to do with it. I did my job. Now, a lot of these people tend to be what we call, they will call themselves spiritual, but not religious. Does that make sense? I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of people that I know like that. I've talked to them. They're like, I'm super spiritual. I'm like, so spiritual? It's not even funny. But no, I don't do religion. Okay? It's, it's weird. It's hard. Um, but out of all four of those views, I don't feel like any of them is a proper view of God. So before we can first understand God's mercy and understand the other facets of the gospel, we have got to understand God. And I'm not saying understand everything about him. That's impossible. He's God. The Bible says itself, his ways are so much higher than ours. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is so much higher transcendent than I am. There's no way I could possibly understand everything there is to know about God. And you know what? That's a good thing. Because if I could understand everything there was to know about God, we'd kind of be in a, a lot of trouble. He's not God then. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we need to understand and have a proper view of God before we understand his mercy. But in this, in this specific passage, it's saying, in view of God's mercy... Things that he did for us. He sent his son to die for us. Very painful death. We know the understanding of this, okay? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. So you're telling me that I need to sacrifice myself? Well, that just got real weird and archaic, right? God is saying, get over yourself. It is not about you. Did that hurt feelings this morning? Good. Good. I'm all about hurting feelings, okay? It is not about you. God is saying, I want you to get behind you and let me fill you so that when people see you, they see me. Did that get confusing? Say it one more time. Get behind you. So that I can get in front of you. So that when people see you, they see me. And here's the craziest part. This is your true and proper worship. Now, I'll be honest with you. I grew up with the KJV. King James only, baby. It's the way I grew up. And, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of times where I'm going to say the King James had it right. <laughs> Sounds bad. I'm, I know. I'm terrible. Um. But in this instance, they did. In this passage, if you look at it in the, in the King James Version, it says, for this is your reasonable service. The Greek in this passage is not focused on the act of worship part, although that is there. 
it is focused on the rationality of it. It makes sense. I don't know about you, but if Brenna, if you were to see me in the middle of the road walking like just a doofus and there's a bus coming, you're like, Justin, it'd take a really hard hit. But you knock me out of the way just before the bus hits me, it'd be, take a really hard hit. I'm a big fella. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be singing your praises for a while. You just saved my life, okay? I, I don't understand how knowing everything we know about Jesus, we are not crazy in love with God. We are not like, Jesus, you are everything I want. You saved my life. You still want me, even though I'm selfish and sinful and disgusting. You want me. You have the grace like none other. How is it possible that I'm not giving you everything? How do we do do that? And I'm talking to myself because I do it too. How can we possibly leave from this place on a Sunday morning and we go to our jobs and we act the same way we've always acted? We go to our houses. I mean, do your kids see you love the way Jesus loved? Oops. Do your kids know by your actions and your words that grace is a part of your life? That hurt me. It is your reasonable service. It is your true and proper spiritual act of worship out of reasonableness. Now here's the next verse. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I, I have always struggled with, with the phrase God's will. And it's absolutely true. It's biblical. It's not anything I can argue. But I've struggled with that. Even when I was in college, I was like, what, what do you mean? Just give it to God. God's will is good. You know, you do this, do that, and the other. Eventually, it made sense to me. God's will is what happens when you allow him to take over your life. But we don't want to do that, do we? Let me give you guys some really simple truths. I'm going to be, I want to be quick this morning. I know um, Golden Corral, the line's probably getting long. Please tell me you guys don't eat at Golden Corral. This place is gross. Um, let me give you some simple truths. I'm sorry if you really like Golden Corral. Bless your heart. Number one, to find God's will, you must first have his mind. Write these down. Write these down. To find God's will, you must first have his mind. And I know that's, that's, a, that's a hard thing to understand. Like, How is it you just told me that his ways are so much higher than my ways and his thoughts higher than mine? How is it possible I can have his mind? Well, it's very simple. To have his mind, it must first be renewed. You have to renew your mind. Your mind has to be transformed. It has to be changed. To renew your mind, you must be changed. Okay, that's the third step. Two more steps. Now you're like, it can't really be that easy, can it? 
can it? Number four, change comes from worship. Change comes from worship. And number five, worship is surrender. We'll go through those five one more time. Let's start at the beginning there. Actually, let's go backwards. How about that? Can we go backwards? Let's, let's just be weird, okay? So when you surrender in worship, then you, then you change. When you change from worship, your mind is then renewed. Once your mind is renewed, you will have the mind of God. Once you have the mind of God, you find God's will. Thank you, Echo. I love that. I love that. Guys, this is earth-shattering. This is, this is so simple, but it is the gospel. The gospel does not end when you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. That is not the end. That's the beginning, man. That is just like, that's like little bitty step one. Like, okay, cool, you're in the club. No, it's so much, it's so much deeper than that. Because then there is a lifelong process of renewing your mind, changing your actions, changing your thoughts. Everything about you should look so much different. Here's three things that God needs from you. He doesn't care about your car. He didn't care about your house. He didn't care about your job and all the, all the promotions you've gotten. He doesn't care about your wallet. Oops. He didn't care about how much you give in the offering plate. He doesn't care about how often you're in church. He doesn't care about how often you open your Bible or if you've read the entire 66 books of the Bible this year. He's not worried about that. He's also not worried about how long or eloquent your prayers are. He's not. You know what God wants from you? He wants your heart. He wants your heart. Everything that you believe, everything that you feel, all of the emotions in your body, He wants them because He can change them to look like His Son. He wants your head. He wants your thoughts. He wants everything that runs inside. He wants who you are when no one's looking. Ouch. He wants your head. He wants the knowledge that he can pour himself into so that you can look like his son. And thirdly, he wants your hands. He wants you to go. In fact, there's only three ways to do missions. You're either going, you're sending, or you're disobeying. Ruffling some feathers this morning. We had a youth event yesterday. We went to Walden's Cove. It's a it's an amazing facility in Jefferson. Um, they they take a lot of residents. It's a big house. They've got about twelve residents at a time, and a lot of them struggle with Alzheimer's and dementia and early onset and, and things of such. But it's an assisted living place, and these people are just amazing. We brought. I want to say like 15, 13 or 15 students with us, which was huge for students anyways, to get out of bed on a Saturday morning and go 
mow the grass. We went over, they've got like a, an acre and a half, maybe two acres of, uh, of yard. And I'm out there on a zero turn looking like a moron, you know. And Jason's over here rocking it, okay. Um, but we've got students out there on their hands and knees pulling weeds. Are you kidding me? When I was their age, I didn't even want to go outside. And they're out there pulling weeds. Because it wasn't about them. It wasn't about them. It was about the mission. And the mission was to love people. Where they are and who they are. We had another group inside. They were baking cookies. Some of these sweet, sweet ladies, and I think they've got one gentleman. He's amazing. Cracks me up. They were in there. They can't even hold a spoon to stir. In the kitchen, and we've got high school and middle school girls in there helping them stir the eggs and the flour and the batter in, pouring them on a sheet, spreading them out, baking them. And they get out, they decorate them for them, they're talking to them, hugging on these ladies. Guys, who knows what's going to come out of some of these ladies' mouths. If you want comedy, that is the best stuff. I'm telling you, don't turn on the comedy radio. Just go to Walden's Cove. It's hilarious. Some of these ladies, I was up there meeting uh, Miss Sherry Walden, who's over it, a few months ago. And I was meeting some of these ladies. The lady looked at me, she goes, you're ugly. <laughs> I love you. Some of these ladies are amazing. And you know what? I'm not sure who got blessed more yesterday. Because these students gave God their hands. They said, I don't, I, I don't care. It's not about me. Worship is about denying everything that you are so that you can look like everything he is. Does that, is that hard? Guys, craziest and scariest prayer I've ever prayed in my entire life. Came from a song by 10th Avenue North, and the lyrics go like this. Lord, break my heart if that's what it takes to bring me to my knees. Who wants to pray a prayer like that? Who wants a heartbroken? Not I. Okay, good, me neither. All right? No one wants a broken heart because it hurts. It's painful. No one wants to experience that. But you know what? When you have a heart that says, if that's what it takes to get me behind myself, so you can get in front of me. So that when people look at me, they see you. That's what it takes. It is not about you. It has never been about you. It is about Jesus. And worship is transformative. And worship is not sitting here on a Sunday morning singing a few songs. Worship is not listening to a fat fella like me trying to preach the word. Worship is not putting your money in the offering plate. What is? It's all those things. But it's so much more. Worship is how you live out God outside this church. Worship is what you say when you get home. Worship is what your kids see you do when you and your wife are having a tiff. Worship is how your coworkers know you're a Christian. Worship is a lifestyle. If everything about you does not change, you cannot be worshiping. 
if you walk away from this service today, the same person that you were when you walked in, that's jacked up, man. You, there's no way you weren't worshiping. And here's a hard truth. And believe me, I, this may sound hard, but I'm, I'm speaking to myself, okay? I like to tell our students, you know, when we're speaking to women, they're like, they're like goblets, okay? They can get cracked. They can break very easily. You want to be tender with them. Dudes were like thermoses, man. Kick those suckers down a hallway, you're fine, okay? All right, so forgive me if I have a rough tone, okay? Worship is your responsibility. You have been called to it. You have been commissioned to it. And it is required for growth. Some of you out there are struggling. Some of you are saying, I have made way too many mistakes. I am so messed up. How is it possible that God could possibly want me to worship him? Okay, maybe I say, all right, I love you, Jesus. You know, be my God. That's great. But I, I, he, there's no way he wants me. Uh, his son dying on the cross, raising three days later, says different. Some of you guys in here are like, dude, let's just be honest, okay? A lot of the excuses in this room are, dude, I don't have time. I ain't got time to fit God in my schedule. <laughs> well, <laughs> God fit you in his, and he kind of like created the universe. It is imperative that you fit God into your schedule because you know what? He's the most important thing in your schedule. He gave you breath to breathe so that you could have a schedule. He gave you arms and legs to drive a car to go to your work. He gave you the ability to get here. He gave you the ears to hear. He gave you the mouth to speak and worship. He gave you everything you need to make him number one in your life. How is it possible that he's not? Number three. Some of you guys are like, dude, I've been so messed up by a church. I've been hurt. And I get that. Let me just, let me validate that for you. I grew up in an independent, fundamental Baptist church. If anyone knows hurt, it's me. Make matters worse, my dad was my pastor my entire life. You think I don't know hurt? I've met some of the most disgusting people on earth in church. But you know what? That's where they belong. That's where they belong. Because the church is a hospital for the hurting. It is not a museum for the perfect. I don't care what you look like. God doesn't care what you look like. He wants your heart, your head, and your hands. You guys who have been hurt, give them another chance. Because you've been so hurt and running from God that you haven't even thought to look behind you and he's right there. The Bible says Jesus sticks closer than a brother. How can you possibly think that you're powerful enough to run away? That is a very arrogant statement to assume that you are powerful enough to get away from God. God said in Psalms, I have you in the palm of my hand and you cannot do anything to get out. In fact, if you look at the vernacular in that verse, it's, it's, a, it's a palm, but it's not open. It's a closed fist. There is nothing you or anyone else on earth can do to get you out of that fist. You are God's, whether you like it or not. If you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. So I want to leave you guys with just a couple truths. 
The will of God is important. You need to have it. The only way you're going to get it is by the renewing of your mind, which comes from the transformative power of worship. And number two, I'm going to pray in just a minute, and I want the band to come up. And I want you guys to think on that this morning. I, I kind of want you all to stew. Stew on that. I, I, have, I don't get to do this very often, so when I do, I make sure I hurt feelings, okay? Um, I want you guys to be hurt by this. I want this to hurt your pride. Because for you to ever become who God wants you to be, for you to ever allow the Holy Spirit to transform you into the crazy, awesome, mission-minded beast that God wants you to be, got to get behind yourself so God can get in front of you so that when others see you they see him let's pray God we love you we thank you so much for the privilege to worship you this morning God I pray that that is our desire that as we lift your name high this morning that you are truly exalted that as we've heard this message, that God, you would do a work in my life. You would allow me to understand that if I ever want to be anything for you, I have got to give everything I am to you. God, I love you. I thank you for worship. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here and be able to lift up a huge, huge risen God. You are powerful. You are majestic. Your word says so. Father, thank you for who you are. Change the hearts and lives of these people so that revival cannot just start in this, in their individual hearts, that it would spread to this church, it would spread to this community, it would spread to this state, this nation, and the entire world so that they would know the majesty and splendor of who you are. God, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Y'all stand to your feet. I want to read Psalm 148, and I want you guys to ruminate on this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all the heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord for His commands. For at His command they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and all cattle small creatures and flying birds kings of the earth and all nations you princes and all rulers on earth young men and women old men and children let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted his splendor is above the earth and the heavens and he has raised up for his people a horn the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel the people close to his heart Praise the Lord. Guys, let us be those that are close to His heart. Do not let nature outdo our worship. Do not let the trees and the rocks and the oceans cry out His praise louder than us. 
let God be a spring of praise springing forth out of our hearts from our heads to our hands